Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Living Hope. Uh, and welcome to all of you who are joining us online. Uh, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here, if I haven't met you. Uh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for, well, just a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. I, I love starting the service with that little greeting because sometimes I just need that reminder that the Lord is with us. And, and so when we say the Lord be with you, it's not like God wasn't with you before or anything, right? It's more that we are saying, man, I hope you're aware of God's presence with you. I, I hope that, that you sense, and you say it right back to me, so I hope that I sense God's presence here. I hope that I become aware of the ways that God is with me, uh, whether times have been good or whether times have been rough, uh, that whatever we're going through, right now we can have confidence that, you know what, the Lord is, is with us. He knows what we're going through. He's present right here in, in reality, right where we live. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are so grateful, so grateful that you meet us here that you meet us where we live, that you don't, uh, we don't have to go off into some kind of pretend world to meet you, or we don't have to like, leave the world behind to somehow get to you, uh, that you have come to us. Uh, you've entered into our mess. You've entered into our problems. You've, you've entered into our joys and our happiness. God, you've, you meet us right where we are. And whatever we're going through, uh, today, this is a moment where we can open ourselves up to your presence, where we can uh, invite you to make us aware of the ways that you love us, the ways that you're with us. Uh, we can lift up to you the, the needs that we bring with us into this time together. And, uh, and we can also lift up our thanks and our praise. We can offer all of ourselves to you, God, uh, because you already know us and you love us. So God, please, would you help us through this service in, uh, in the songs, in the scriptures, in the times of greeting each other, in the, in the celebration of Holy Communion, in all that we do, God, I pray that you would use it to, uh, to open us up to you, to help us to connect with the God who is here. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you uh, really enjoyed last week where we got to sit around tables and, uh, and chat. Some of you hated it. Uh, this morning, we actually do have music. So... Uh, <laughs> We're, we're welcoming Matt Blonick back uh, with us uh, on loan from Calvary Church down the road. Uh, he's going to lead us in some songs. If you'd like to stand and sing, let's sing. Thanks, Rich. Excited to be worshiping with you all this morning.
not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of
is my shepherd I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me quiet streams Even though I walk through the valley of death and continue that prayer the one thing I ask of you Lord the thing I seek most is to live in your house all the days of my life delighting in your perfections and meditating in your temple for you will conceal me there when troubles come and you will hide me in your sanctuary you will place me out of reach on a high rock father we are so thankful 
that we have the opportunity to dwell in your house all the days of our lives. That there is a place that we can go, a person that we can run to, Lord, when life just becomes more than we can handle. Lord, there's a place we can go to when life is just life. And it's every day, and it may seem mundane, and it may seem just normal, but Lord, even in those times, especially in those times, you are a place that we can run to. You are a place that we can hide, knowing that when the troubles come, because they do and they will, that we are already in your presence. We are already in your temple. I thank you, Lord, for that fact, for that promise and that assurance. Lord, I thank you this morning for each person that has gathered with us here in this place as well as online with us. Lord, we just we thank you for each person, each family, each household, each neighborhood represented by every person here. You have given each of us, Lord, a mission. You've given each of us, Lord, a, a, a task, a goal, a calling, whatever, whatever label we want to put on it, Lord. I, I just, I ask that you would empower each and every one of us this morning through what Pastor Rich has to say, um, the word that you've given him for this morning, Lord, that we would take that truth that you are giving us this morning and we would apply it to the mission that you've given us wherever we find ourselves. No matter our circumstances, no matter our problems, no matter the storms in our lives, no matter the good things, Lord, that we would, <clears throat> we would do what you would have us to do, what you have put us to do. And in doing so, Lord, we would bring honor and glory to your name in all of our lives and everything we do. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here. We thank you for the invitation to be here and the promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you will be among us. So, Father, go with us in this service. Be with us. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word. And may everything that is said and done this morning, both by Pastor Rich, by myself, by each of us here, Lord, may everything above all honor and glorify you. And for these things we pray and ask in your name. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Very good. Thank you. And take a few moments, if you would, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. All right. Hey, if you're watching us online, my apologies. There's not a great way for us to uh, recreate what's going on here for you. So people are greeting each other and shaking hands and hugging and catching up and all that good stuff. So at least you can leave us a comment there if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, or you could uh, hop over to our website, livinghope.info connect. There's a little digital connect card. And if there's some way we can be praying for you or thanking God with you, uh, we would love to do that. Or if you just have a question you'd like to ask, uh, that's a good way to get it to us. And that goes for all of you in the room too, of course. Uh, you can pull out your smartphone and, and go to livinghope.info connect. Or... Since you're here in the room, you can just grab one of those little green cards back there and jot your note on it. That's what you usually do. And uh, if you do that, just make sure you drop it in the offering box before you go. And that way uh, I can follow up with you or be praying for you this week. would love to be able to do that. Uh, and if you're giving today, obviously you can give online or you can uh, drop your offering there in the box. Uh, thank you again to all of you who give so faithfully. Um, 
I know it's been weird times for, for lots of churches, right? With the whole COVID thing and, you know, attendance dipped and all that good stuff. And, and there were several churches, friends of mine, that they like, they really, really struggled through that time because there were a whole bunch of people that thought, well, if I'm not showing up at church, I guess I'm not going to give any money or something. I don't know. And you guys didn't do that. I mean, through that year when we were meeting off and on and sometimes we were all having to watch from home or something like that, you guys continued to give faithfully. You gave online or you sent checks in or whatever. And some of, some of you still do that. Some of you who, who watch online about half the time uh, and are with us about half the time and some of you who just watch online all the time, uh, you continue to give. Thank you. Uh, because that helps provide for all the different stuff that we do around here. Um, I mean, just personally, it provides my salary, and I thank you for that. I think you guys all know that I'm paid by the church to, to be the pastor and to be available, um, to be available for you and active in the community. Uh, it provides this building, uh, which then we can do things like, uh, well, twice a week right now, we're uh, the site for the men's shelter that's coordinated by New Creation up the road. Uh, this last week, two different nights, we had three guys uh, stay in the night with us. Uh, gives us a place to allow the Unity Cafe to happen on Friday nights, serving like 50 or 60 people a free dinner uh, on Friday nights. Um, all the different things that we do around here from youth ministry to kids ministry to all the stuff for all of you um, is all funded just by you. There's no big group out there somewhere with deep pockets that's like funneling money to us, right? It all just comes from us saying, yes, we believe in the mission of this church and the mission of Christ that's happening here and around the world and we want to be a part of that. So thank you. Sorry, I don't usually spend that much time, but I wanted to say thank you to all of you who give so faithfully. Uh, a couple of things that are coming up that I uh, feel that we just did, but I want to make sure you know when the dates are for the next one. So we're going to have breakfast again uh, in August. It'll be on the 13th, so if you want to make sure you're here for that, uh, I think that might be the last one of the year. Uh, we usually just do them during the summer. Uh, it'll definitely be, oh, I shouldn't say definitely, the bike giveaway the next weekend on the 19th that Saturday is probably going to be the last bike giveaway that happens in our parking lot this year. So if you have missed the past ones, you've got a friend that's been, you've been talking to and they say, oh man, I need to go get a bike for my kid or, or for them as an adult, or they've got a bike sitting in their garage that they haven't used in five years and it's just getting old, you know, uh, and they want to donate it. August 19th is the time to do that. And if they can't make it and you want to drop off a bike, we can always receive bikes here. We just like shove them in a corner somewhere until the next time comes around or we we call uh greg sims the guy who does all that and uh he swings by and picks them up so if you do have a bike to donate you don't have to wait till the 19th you can you can donate it early um all right so this morning we are continuing our journey through the prophet jeremiah which again the most well-known verse from this book of the bible this prophet uh, this old testament prophet is jeremiah 29 11 and i think i do i have that on the screens that yeah yeah, and I know I've got it in your little handout. If you, if you missed one of these, uh, there are some of those in the back. Uh, can, we, can we read this together out loud? Uh, I think most of you have known this or said this at some point, or it's on your wall, or it's on a pillow, or a bookmark, or something. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's no wonder that's uh, one of the most well-known verses from this book of the Bible because it is hopeful. It's a, it's a verse that where God is saying, look, I've got good plans for you. I know right now it might be rough, but I've got good plans to give you hope, to give you a future. And uh, many times we need that reminder, don't we? Because um, life isn't always easy. We go through some pretty stressful stuff. Um, it always amazes me how the, the 
things I bump into just kind of fit so well with what I'm about to share with you on a Sunday morning. Just this morning, as I'm letting the dogs out, I'm listening to a podcast that most of them come out during the week. This one always comes out Sunday mornings, real early. Um, And so I'm listening to it as I'm walking the dogs, and they're talking about the stressful things that people go through. It's not a Christian podcast. It's just like a psychologist and a researcher or whatever. And they're talking about, uh, what what is it called, the social readjustment scale, I think is what it is, that way back in the 70s, they, they put this thing together, talking about all these different life transitions, things that happen to us that cause us stress and could then lead to like stress-related illnesses. And there's all kinds of ways that that research uh, is helpful to folks. But you know, they've got a big long list and they rank them by how stressful they are. I think the, the top one was death of a spouse. You know, like that's the most stressful thing that, you, that they, that group they surveyed said you could go through. And some of you have experienced that not too, not too long ago. Death, death of another close loved one is, is also on the list. Divorce is on the list. And so is marriage. It's not all negative stuff. You know, changes in your life, changes in your life circumstances. Uh, birth of a child, right? Uh, some of you know just how dramatically that changes your life. Uh, that's Stacy and I, some of you guys know, are like late parents. We were 41 when we adopted our two boys when they were just infants. And... Uh, for years, we had been told by people like, oh, man, whenever you have kids, it'll change your life. That was always the phrase that went with it. It'll change your life. And we always said, yeah, we're good. Thanks. You know, uh, and then kids just kept not showing up for us. And we're like, okay, well. And then they showed up and, sure enough, changed our lives. Um, so any kind of these family changes or a location change, like a move or loss of a, of a house, a job change, a health change, all these things are stressful, right? And that's to say nothing of, like, people we hear about on the news you know, uh, who are like living as refugees because where they live has been bombed to smithereens or whatever. You know, they're experiencing violence. And and so their family has tried to migrate from one place to another, looking for safety, looking for shelter, looking for hope. Um, Life can be hard. And the people of Israel are going through a really hard time when Jeremiah is speaking to them. Now, the last two weeks, we've been looking at his words of warning to the people of Israel, but he also has words of hope. And that's, that's kind of my thought is that like, Past two weeks have been about warning. This week and next Sunday will be about hope. And then we get to the New Testament and we get to Jesus finally uh, next month. So um, surprised you didn't erupt in applause over that one because <laughs> some of you are like, please, let's get to the New Testament. Um, making our way through the Bible this year, the big story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, two thirds of our Bible or more is Old Testament. So that means we're going to spend quite a bit of time in it. All right, but the people of Israel, as we've heard from earlier in Jeremiah, they're at a place where because of their sin, is what Jeremiah's been saying, because of their disobedience, because they've not been faithful to God, they're going through, they're about to go through great difficulty. He's been letting them know, look, the Babylonian army that's been breathing down our necks, they are going to win. And he's been encouraging the king and encouraging the people, don't fight against it, just Submit to this. This is what God is doing. Because you've not repented all these years that I've been trying to get you to repent and change your ways, because you haven't, these are the consequences. If you keep fighting against them, it's just going to get worse, you know, and you're going to suffer more pain and more death and more heartbreak. And if you reach out to Egypt, one of the other world powers, to try to come and rescue you, it's just going to get worse for you. So just submit to what God is doing and, you know, let's move through it, he says. And sure enough, it ends up happening. Um, 
Babylon does conquer them. They do haul a whole bunch of the leadership. They like, they, it's like they skim the top layers of society off, and they take them all off to Babylon, and they leave behind kind of the, the worker bees and the people who are the, the blue-collar workers, the people who are harvesting the fields, and the people who are taking care of the, the, the flocks and the herds and all of that. They leave them there to kind of manage that stuff. But all the leaders, all the kings, all the prophets, the priests, the educated class, all those folks, they, they, they take to Babylon to work for them over there. And, uh, and there's a letter in Jeremiah chapter 29 that this verse comes from that uh, Jeremiah sends to the exiles. He's been left behind, right? So he's one of the folks who's been left behind in Jerusalem, in Israel, uh, while all these other folks have been taken off into exile. It's kind of the first round. Later on, there'll be more rounds. They'll come back and they'll haul a bunch more people away. And, uh, and eventually, the, I mean, Jerusalem is just knocked down flat. The temple destroyed. The walls torn down. It's ugly. But uh, Jeremiah, what, what, what do we do when we face these difficulties, right? What do we do when life is hard? Uh, how do we handle that kind of circumstance? Uh, that's kind of what Jeremiah is trying to help them know how to handle what they're going through. And there are some folks that are doing what many of us do. Uh, there are some people in Jeremiah's time that are showing up as prophets to the people and speaking on behalf of God. And they're basically saying, hey, guys, just, just hold on. We're going to get through this quick. It's not going to take long. In fact, the chapter right before this, there's a prophet whose name I forgot, honestly, who's saying, just two more years. Two more years and all the people are coming back. All right? So just, just hold on tight. You can make it for two years, and, uh, and then you're coming home. And uh, sometimes we do that, I think, right? We, we go through some difficulty, some loss, and we just like, you know what? Let's just move through it as quick as we can. Right? And sometimes that's a good thing, right? Kind of keeps you moving, kind of keeps you from, from getting stuck. Other times it's like, no, I need to pause. I need to grieve this loss. I need to deal with what I'm going through and not just like ignore it or rush past it. And uh, they've got people telling them like, hey, it's just going to be a couple of years. It's just a short-term thing. We're all going to be good. It's going to be fine. And Jeremiah says something different. <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's read this letter uh, that Jeremiah sent to the people. This is part of it. It's the first part of the letter. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So Jeremiah is saying, yeah, don't hold your breath. This is going to take a while. 
it's going to be 70 years. So you might as well, you know, build a house and settle down there. You might as well get married and have some kids. You know, don't, don't put it off thinking, ah, in a couple of years we'll be back home. Let's just get married then. He said, mm, <laughs> don't, don't put it off. Go ahead, get married, have some kids. Let them have, get married and have kids. You're going to be here, or your grandkids are going to be here before you are heading back home. And in fact, look for ways to bless your neighbors here. Pray for peace and prosperity of this city to which I have carried you into exile. That... Sorry, just an interesting little side note real quick. At the beginning of that letter, they're in the middle of that letter, and then at the end of the part we quoted, three times in there, God says, I carried you into exile, into Babylon. He's saying, like, even though you're going through this great difficulty, I'm still with you. You know, and I'm, I'm responsible for what you're going through, God is saying to them. Um, saying, this is for a reason. These are consequences of your actions. These are, these are the, the wages that your sin have earned for you. Um, and I have carried you there. Um, one thing, um, sorry, that they were talking about on that podcast this morning, was that when we go through times of difficulty, one thing our brains are trying to do, we're trying to make sense of it. And so one of the reasons things are so stressful when we go through major changes is because many times, you know, we've, we've, our brains like to make sense of the world and what our place is in it and what we're supposed to be doing and, and how we fit, right? And when you go through a massive change, it disrupts that. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, wait, I don't, I don't know where I fit now. I don't know what my, what my story's supposed to be now. I don't know who I am or where I fit or what, where this is all heading. And that's part of why it's so stressful for us. We want to make sense of what's happening to us. And part of what Jeremiah is doing, what God is doing through Jeremiah, is helping them to make sense of the situation they're finding themselves in. It's helping them to understand, look, this, this isn't, uh, God wasn't defeated here. Because that was the typical explanation. That's probably what the Babylonians were saying. Ha ha, our God's more powerful than your God. Your God's a whole lot of nothing. We knocked down his temple and he didn't even do anything. Right? Our God wins. That's normally how these battles were thought of in that part of the world at that time. You know, if your nation uh, defeated another nation, your God was the bigger God, clearly, because your God brought victory. And their God is nobody. You know, it, it wasn't until like Rome started to like assimilate all of those other gods. They would conquer a place, and instead of just wiping out their gods, they would say, oh, no, no, keep worshiping your gods. They're just a part of this big pantheon of gods, and there are lots of gods, and, and you're, you still can worship your gods. It's okay. Most folks, when they conquered, they'd knock down that temple and say, no, no, you worship our God. Our God's clearly better. And it could be that that's what they were thinking, or some of the people of Israel might have been tempted to think that. Or I guess God wasn't real, or I guess he was weaker, or maybe we should just worship the Babylonian gods. Clearly, they won this fight. And one of the things God is doing through Jeremiah is helping them to know, no, no, that's not at all what's happening. God is in charge, and you're going into exile because you were unfaithful to him. You refused to listen when he kept calling to you to repent and to change your ways, what we talked about last week. And so now you've got consequences. And God's the God of the whole world, and he's a God over Babylon too, and, and one day they'll get what's coming to them, but until then, God's working through them to get you the discipline you need and the consequences you need so that 70 years from now, when I bring you back, things will be different. He's helping them to make sense of their situation. And one thing that makes that difficult, uh, harder for us to make sense, is, um, is when we listen to people who I mean, basically lie to us. That's what's happening here, right? Jeremiah's saying, don't listen to those other people. They're lying to you. 
you know, so you, you well, it's, it's, again, it's the way our brains work. You've heard of confirmation bias, probably, right? Uh, I feel like I've been hearing more and more about that over the last, I don't know, decade, as more and more news moves online, as people are free to get their news from whatever source they want to, uh, when it comes to, you know, anything debatable at all, we're all able to find somebody who's saying what we already think. Somebody who's just going to confirm what we already believe. Uh, and so we'll listen to them. And we have a bias toward people who will confirm what we already think. Because, again, it's less stressful for our little brains. Because, oh, okay, that's already how I was making sense of the world. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're just confirming that what I thought is already is still real. Okay. And so those people who are telling them, like, hey, it's just going to be a couple of years, we're telling them what they wanted to hear, right? Oh, good. This is just a, a, a real quick difficulty. I'm going to get out of it quick. We're going to be home soon. Whew, all right, kids, just, just hang on. Don't, don't go crazy. Don't go nuts. We're going to be home soon. And Jeremiah has to come to them and say, I'm sorry, but that's not the case. He had a more challenging message they needed to hear. And I was especially struck by this, this bit in verse 8 where God's telling them, do not listen. You know, don't let these prophets and diviners deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of what we experience here and now when it comes to this confirmation bias and that we just listen to people who agree with us already. We get in our little echo chambers and they are motivated to tell you what you want to hear because, if you, because then you'll visit their website or you'll tune into their channel and they'll get advertising dollars because they've got more viewers on their website or more people watching their TikToks or whatever it might happen to be, whatever medium they've chosen, they are incentivized to tell you what you want to hear so that you will listen to them so that they will make money. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's what we live in. It's the, the water we swim in. It's, it's, it's kind of unavoidable for us. But he's, he's saying even back then, you're encouraging them to have these dreams because that's what you want to hear. And, of course, they want to tell you what you want to hear. And I mentioned was that last week, I think, you know, that pastors aren't immune to that either. Right, so I'm I'm not immune to that. It'd be easier for me to just stand up here and tell you all what what I think you want to hear or what I might want to say. Right, the the things that we what's that one verse that tell them what their itching ears want to hear? Is that the the New Testament phrase um, that like our, our ears want to be kind of soothed? You know, we want to hear good news all the time, and and sometimes unfortunately we we have to be challenged. We have to be told, no, it's it's not going to go the way you want it to. No, I can't just confirm for you what you already are wanting to hear. Sometimes God challenges us and tells us, look, something, you've let that grow, it needs to get uprooted. You've got to turn away from that. You've got to get that out of your life. That's, it's destroying you. It's destroying your relationships. Sorry, that's the last two weeks. That's what Jeremiah has come to tell them. There are consequences for this. And now he's telling them, look, it's going to be a while before you get through this. Which... I tend to think of now whenever I hear these verse, that Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I think sometimes we hear that and we hear it like in that, as if it's coming from those prophets Jeremiah was telling them not to listen to. It's like, oh good, God has good plans for me. This difficult time I'm going through won't be that long. I'm going to get through it quick. And that's not what God's saying to them. <laughs> and it might not be what God's saying to us, unfortunately. It might be that this you know, loss we've experienced is going to be with us longer than we'd hoped. It might be that this difficulty we're going through is not going to be, you know, gone by next week or next year. 
It might be kind of like the situation the Apostle Paul had, where uh, he described it as a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan, he called it. We don't know what it was exactly, probably some kind of physical condition. But he had said that God gave it to him to keep him humble. And he pleaded with God three times, please take this away. And God's answer was, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. And Paul was able to see this as something that was helping him, that he was able to to rely on God's grace and rely on God's strength. And and sometimes that's what's happening in our lives, unfortunately. I wish I I had special insight into all of our circumstances, you know. Uh, I was talking to somebody this last week who who believes he's got that kind of that gift of prophecy and that he's got special insight into the lives of the people around him. And, And maybe he does. I don't know. I didn't see real evidence of it in our conversation. But anyway, um, I wish I had that, you know, the, that special word of knowledge or whatever, uh, where I would just be talking to you and God would just whisper in my ear what's going to happen so that I could just share with you. Oh, well, here's how long you're going to have to go through that. Oh, don't worry, it's only going to be 30 more days. Or, oh, man, yeah, I'm sorry, that's, that's not going to turn out well. You know, or whatever it might be, I wish I had that. I, I don't have that. <laughs> God doesn't work with me that way. Um, he may work through some other people that way. I've read stories. I've heard, you know, I, I've talked to people who, uh, who believe that God works that, that way sometimes through them. And, and again, this is all God's in charge. None of us are in charge. Uh, so uh, it's always possible that God works that way through somebody, but not like all the time. And if you have a friend that, you know, uh, feels like that's a gift God's given them, it, it may be. All right. But that doesn't mean they can always give you every answer that you want. But I wish I had that because... Uh, because I feel like I could just say with certainty, you know, I, I feel like I could be more comforting or could be more helpful sometimes when you're going through a difficulty. Wouldn't it be nice to have someone tell you, oh, that's, that's only going to last one more year or, oh, that's only going to last six more months. Or if it's a health thing to be able to say to you definitively, like, oh, God is going to heal you of this. But it's just going to take a little more time or to be able to say that's something you're going to have to deal with the rest of your life. You know, that God isn't going to heal that or take that away. I wish I had that kind of insight because I feel like I could be more helpful if I had it. Um, but I don't have that. Um, I know some of you, uh, whenever I think of that, I think of running. Um, I don't do a lot of running these days. Last year, I ran the Chicago Marathon with World Vision for clean water. Not doing it this year. I'm way out of shape compared to where I was last year this time. Um, but anytime I'm running... Uh, I almost always, you know, I'm wishing I could stop and, and thinking like, well, at least I'll make it one more lap or I'll make it to that next corner or I'll make it to that next, especially running like a long distance, like a marathon, right? Uh, and I was like, well, you know what? I'll make it to the next water station or I'll make it to that next mile marker. Or I'll make it to that next corner and having little, little steps like that. Because then once I get there, half the time at least, I think, ah, you know what? I can get to the next one. I don't, have to, I don't have to stop and walk yet. You know, I'll get to the next water station, or I'll get to the next mile marker, and I can, I can convince myself to go just a little further because I know that at the end of those 26.2 miles, there's an actual finish line, and I will get to stop, right? I wish I could provide everyone with those finish lines. <laughs> That's what Jeremiah does for them. Uh, it's not as close as what they wish. It's way further down the road. It doesn't, it's not what they want to hear, but at least he's able to tell them, look, it's going to be 70 years. 
So go ahead, settle in, and focus on blessing the, the place where you live. Because if this city prospers, and, and they would have been tempted, the story they would have told themselves is, these people are the enemy, they're God's enemy, and we just can't wait to get out of here and get back home. And hopefully it's just two years from now, like that guy said. And Jeremiah says, no, no, settle in. In fact, pray for God to bless these enemies of yours who have captured you and hauled you away, who knocked down your home and now have moved you to a distant land where you don't know the language and all the rest. It says, pray for them. Seek their peace and prosperity because if it prospers, you will prosper. I think, um, I think that's a word that some of us need to hear for the circumstances we find ourselves in. Um, some of you feel like our country's going to hell in a handbasket or whatever, you know. And uh, like, well, we can work for the good of our neighborhood, of our community, of our nation. It's a good thing to work for the good of the place where we live. Uh, it might be that you're in a circumstance that you don't really want to be in, and you'd love to get out of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it might be that God is saying, okay, and you will get out of it, but it's going to be a while. So in the meantime, like what do we do in the meantime? In the meantime, look for ways to love. Look for ways to bring peace, to, to bless the people around you. I mean, Jesus was real clear, right? That the most important command in all of Scripture, love God with all that you are, love your neighbor as yourself. And he even expanded that love your neighbors thing. He said, you know, some of you say love your neighbors, hate your enemies. But I say love your enemies, even those who harm you, even those who hate you, even those who work against you, find ways to bless them, to pray for them, to seek their good. That's what it means to love them. Loving your neighbors doesn't just mean like sitting at home and feeling good, thought, feeling good feelings about them and thinking good thoughts about them, right? That's a good thing, but it means finding ways to bless them, finding ways to do good for them, finding ways to show that love in, in simple, practical, real ways. And Jeremiah is telling them, you might as well do that because it benefits you if everybody benefits, if the city improves, your situation improves. So go ahead. Find ways to be good to your neighbors, even if they aren't Christians, even if they are anti-Christian, even if they hate the church and everything there is to do with the church, and they kind of hate you because they heard you're a Christian and you go to church. You know, find a way to bless them. Don't treat them like an enemy. Or if you do, treat them like an enemy like Jesus would. You know, love them. Find ways to give to them, to, to seek their good. Now, don't be, don't, you might not, it might be that in your situation, your goal is not just to look for a way out. It might be, and again, I don't have that special word from the Lord about it, but it might be, if you're going to be there a while, that God's got you there for a reason. Maybe it's for your good. Maybe it's for those neighbors' good. You know, so if God hasn't already rescued you out of whatever that circumstance is, if he hasn't already moved you into your ideal living situation or given you that ideal job or given you that ideal you know, friendship or whatever it might be, maybe God wants you to bless the friends you've got or to bless the workplace you're in or to bless the neighborhood you find yourself in. Whatever circumstances you're in, maybe in the meantime, you can find ways to be a blessing. In the very next chapter, uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, uh, he says to, his, to the people, so do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Jacob's another name for Israel, right? Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, declares the Lord. I will surely save you out of a distant place, your descendants 
from the land of their exile. Jacob will again have peace and security, and no one will make him afraid. I am with you and will save you, declares the Lord. Though I completely destroy all the nations among which I I scatter you, I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you, but only in due measure. I will not let you go entirely unpunished. (laughs) Oh, man. So he's saying, look, the time is coming. And later on in Jeremiah, he gets real explicit about Babylon. And, you know, at the end of those 70 years, I'm going to let Babylon have it. And somebody else is going to come in and conquer them. And you'll get to go home and all the rest, you know. Um, He's saying here, "I, I might completely destroy these nations who are, you know, that you're living in, that you've been exiled to. I might completely destroy them, but I won't completely destroy you. I am disciplining you, but only in due measure. I'm not going to let you go entirely unpunished. That part just makes me chuckle. Um, so do not be afraid. I'm, it makes me think of Jeremiah chapter 1, where God calls Jeremiah to this difficult work. And he, he tells him, look, I've known you from before you were born. I've got this important work for you to do. And when Jeremiah says, ah, I don't know, I'm too young. I don't know if I can do this work. What God says to him is the same thing he says to Moses. He says, I am with you. And it's what he, I think maybe you might need to hear today. If you're going through a difficult time, one of the things that, that gives us hope is that God is present with us. Right? It's, it's good to know there is a finish line, and eventually there'll be a finish line for any difficulty we're going through. To return to that idea for a second. Eventually there will be a finish line. Eventually Christ will return and make all things right. right? All oppression will end. All, all evil will be done away with. If we live to that point, great, we'll get to see it then. Otherwise, we die early and we get to go be with Jesus and, and okay. And then we'll get to see, you know, how it all plays out, right? So there will be a finish line. Evil doesn't get the final say for a follower of Jesus. Never does. Right? God gets the final say. Love wins in the end. And so there will be a finish line. And so we can have hope because of that. God is with us in the midst of it. We can have hope because of that. And we know this is true. Jesus is with us, all of that. And God can bring good even out of our difficulty. That little bit where he says, I will discipline you, makes me think of a couple of New Testament passages, Hebrews chapter 12, where he talks about, uh, the author talks about, you know, enduring hardship as discipline. God's treating you as a child, as a, as a son that he loves. And, and what parent doesn't discipline their child? He's saying hardship can be a, a discipline. Maybe God, maybe this is going to help you to not do that again, right? James chapter 1 talks about considering it joy when we face trials because testing leads Helps us to develop perseverance, and perseverance helps us to become mature. So whatever difficulty we might go through, we know God can bring good out of it. We know he is with us. And so maybe in the meantime, we can look for ways for God to, to grow us. I, I have interactions with several, multiple people who are in the jail right now. And uh, there's a little app on your phone that for like 25 cents each, you can send a text message back and forth or they can make phone calls or those kinds of things. And, and so uh, some of them are people, many of them are people that we've met here. Some of them are people that I've not met yet, but that somebody I do know is in jail and he says, oh, hey, talk to my pastor here. Let me, let me get you in touch with them. And, and so we'll exchange some encouraging messages back and forth. And I'm always trying to encourage them like, look, God can help you to grow through this because I've talked to others who their time in jail was when they really had plenty of time to read their Bibles. <laughs> they had plenty of time to pray. They had plenty of time, and they, they took advantage of the resources available there, and God really was with them and helped them to grow through it. God can help us, us to grow through difficult times as we develop that perseverance, as we develop that trust in him. God is faithful. 
That was last week too, I think, wasn't it? His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Oh, I don't know what hard time you're going through. And I don't know how long it'll last. But I do know it won't last forever. I do know that God's with you in the middle of it. And I do know that God can use it for your good and for the good of the people that he's got you with in the middle of it. Let's look for those things. And right now, let's go ahead and, and pray. God, I thank you. Um, thank you for the ways that you make your presence known to us in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hard times, even when it seems overwhelming, God, when it seems like we're going to drown. I'm suddenly thinking of Jesus in the boat with the disciples, and they were bailing water, and they thought they were going to die, and they woke you up, Jesus. You were there in the boat with them the whole time, and you just spoke to the wind and the waves and said, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves obeyed you. And God, I pray that you might do that for some of our hearts today, where life has uh, been tossing us around, and the storm in our, in our hearts and minds has been raging. And, and God, we just need you to speak some words of peace we need you to calm our spirits, to calm our hearts. We need you to help us to trust in you that you really will see us through whatever it is that we're going through right now, whatever grief, whatever loss, whatever difficulty, whatever stress, that you are with us and you will see us through. And in the meantime, you will even find ways to bring good for us and good through us to the people around us. Help us, God, to trust you. It's kind of right in the center of our Christian faith is that you have joined us here in our brokenness, even in our death, in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that today we get to celebrate this sacrament together, offering to you gifts of bread and juice and praying that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering that you are with us to save us, that you have good for us. So help us to entrust ourselves to you today, God, to lift our hearts to you and our lives to you, to acknowledge to you our need of your grace and, and mercy as we admit our sins, as we admit that we have not always loved you with our, our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. God, we've been tempted to listen to the people who tell us just what we want to hear instead of listening for your voice and the sometimes difficult truths that we need to, we need to face up to. So God, help us today to trust you, to entrust ourselves to you, to receive from you your mercy and grace, to experience you washing our sins away, you giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit to live within us and to guide us and to strengthen us. Thank you, God. We pray that by your Spirit's work in our lives that we might be transformed, changed from the inside out, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet. We might live with the confidence of your sons and daughters, embraced and adopted by you. Thank you, God, that this is open to all of us, no matter how messed up we might be. God, you came for messes like us. 
That's why you gave your life, Jesus, so that we could know your peace, your life, your freedom, your joy. Thank you. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Matt's going to lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it. And return to your seats, Uh, whether it's the regular bread or the gluten-free. or If you can't come up and join us, we've got the little cups on the tables. But this is open to all of us. So let's celebrate the amazing love God's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ.
for this hope that you give us, <laughs> that we are not subject any longer uh, to sin, to death, to the devil. You have won the victory over all of them. And sure, we will continue to go through hard times, but you are with us, and you will have the final say in our lives. Help us to continue to trust you. Help us to leave this place confident in your love for us because you've shown it to us in Jesus Christ the same Christ whose spirit lives within us today, who guides us from this place, who gives us the power to be a people full of love and hope here in this world. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.